Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. Our guest is Dr. Dan Loy here from Iowa State University's Department of Animal Science. We're going to talk about nutrition and we're going to talk specifically about protein and crude protein. It's going to be a great show. We're glad you joined us. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Dan Loy. And Dr. Loy is a university professor here at Iowa State University. He's the director of the Iowa Beef Center and he has been a, a ruminant nutritionist that has contributed so much uh, to growth, physiology, nutrition, extension, someone that gets on the ground and, and works with producers and we're glad to have you. Happy to be here. Well, uh, we're gonna take a little trip back into ruminant nutrition. Okay. I always think it's kind of fun to, to take the deeper dive and have a better understanding, but we're going to talk about, because everybody talks about crude protein. Mm -hmm. They talk about protein, crude protein, and mm -hmm. I, I don't think everybody understands all the intricacies that go into that. Yeah. There's, um, so there's crude protein, and then there's, there's the, the protein that's found in nature. Uh, they're similar, but not necessarily the same. Crude protein, by definition, is what you get back from an analysis. If you send a sample in to measure protein to a feed uh, analysis lab, and crude protein is really just nitrogen times 6.25. And that's because in nature, natural proteins are 16% nitrogen. So basically, when we do a crude protein test, all we're measuring is nitrogen. Now, in terms of nutrition, what you and I require, and pigs and poultry and all monogastric animals, are amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein, um, but we require several different amino acids specifically for our daily dietary requirement. And if any one of those is low, we're not meeting our protein requirement. Gotcha. Yeah. That's why beef is, is such a good source of protein because the amino acid balance in beef products is closer to what the requirement is than say plant proteins. Gotcha. But we have the ability to, in the ruminant animal, because we feed the bugs first, right? That's exactly right. You know, we talk a lot about upcycling. And with, with protein, protein is the, one of the best examples of upcycling because with the ruminant animal, rather than requiring those individual amino acids, they have the ability to take sources of nitrogen. That's why we measure nitrogen to get crude protein, different sources of nitrogen, and they can manufacture protein from in the, in the, uh, the rumen, which is basically a big mi vat of microbial vat. Yeah, and then and those microbes are actually the, the protein, a lot of the protein that those cows digest. Exactly, that's right. So we can take uh, proteins that are undigestible to humans, and sources of nitrogen that are undigestible for humans, like you know low-quality forages, sources of protein that are borderline toxic to humans, like urea, yep. and feed those to ruminants, and basically the, the, those microbes, those bacteria in the rumen, uh, will will manufacture protein and then the animal actually digests the microbes as a source of protein which are you know a better amino acid balance than, than well, the original protein yeah it's no different than when you see some of these uh, culture vats exactly you know yeah. that are fermenting and, and developing 
uh, byproducts from from fermentation or or developing the using the the protein from those exactly exactly yes and so if you're driving by that ethanol plant that's just one big big fermentation fermentation vet. one big rumen yeah that uh, we're just making ethanol instead of beef. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which both go great together. Both go great <laughs> together, and we may talk about that a little yeah, more. That's right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's a great start to our talk on protein and crude protein with Dr. Dan Loy. We're here at Iowa State University. Stay tuned. Hey, folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Dan Loy, and we're here at Iowa State University in the Department of Animal Science, where Dr. Loy is a university professor. He's the director of the Iowa Beef Center, and he is also the, the leader for our beef extension program here in the state of Iowa and has done a wonderful job of selfless leadership to servant leadership to really bring together a group of people to serve the producers within the state, and we appreciate all you do. Thank you. Yeah. Um, when we uh, let's talk then a little bit about the differences in some of the sources of crude protein. Sure. So when we talked about the the rumen being able to manufacture protein, uh, to do that they require a source of nitrogen, mm -hmm. uh, but they also require some energy. And the the sources of nitrogen or the protein in feeds are quite variable. You know, a, a lot of uh, natural protein sources. Let's take for example soybean meal. Soybean meal, when it is consumed, about 25% of that uh, soybean meal is bypassed. In other words, the, the bacteria really don't touch that protein. So uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get degraded, it bypasses the rumen and is absorbed just like you and I would absorb those amino acids that we talked about. But 75% of it is immediately degraded in the rumen uh, to ammonia. And with urea as a protein source or other sources of non-protein nitrogen, or nutritionists call them NPN, if you look on your feed tag, it may yep. say percent NPN, are 100% immediately degraded to ammonia in the rumen. And so that ammonia can be utilized by the, by the microbes to manufacture protein if there's a sufficient quantity of energy available to do that. To, you know, to manufacture protein, microbes need need um, primarily need the source of nitrogen and then they need that energy as well yep and it's and so when we when you you know we use the term degradable undegradable but when we say bypass that just means the way it's consumed is the way that it's going to be uh, presented and digested from the abomasum just like in a monogastric exactly and and very few, there, almost no feeds are 100% bypass. There's different rates of d degradation or percentages of degradation. Corn byproducts, corn co-products, for example, are a little more resistant to rumen degradation, so they have a higher bypass percentage. But still, most of them are almost half degraded. The nitrogen's about half degraded in the rumen. Yeah, and so that, that can be important with uh, just as you mentioned on the different energy sources, but also in different times of rumen development of the calf, right? In times of rumen, and really anything that limits the energy consumption of the animal uh, will, can affect the ability of that animal to utilize that degraded protein. You know, for example, uh, a starting calf on feed under stress has low feed intake, would need a higher proportion of, uh, of uh, bypass protein. Uh, cows on very low quality forage that have a low energy intake might be another example. 
That's the reason why some of these uh, corn byproducts have really changed the game. You know, we used to worry so much about getting the right level and, and, and things to that nature. And now we seem to not be short on protein. That's true. And, we, you know, we're feeding them as not only a protein source, but an energy source. So in a lot of cases, especially in the upper Midwest, we're feeding, you know, well above the protein requirement just because they're a very economical source of energy. You bet. We're going to take a break. Remember, amount of intake, amount of energy, the lower the energy and the lower the intake, the more the bypass protein is needed in that animal. When we come back, we're going to talk more about crude protein and protein for cattle with Dr. Dan Loy. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Dan Loy, who's the university professor and director of the Iowa Beef Center here at Iowa State University. Uh, we're both over in the Department of Animal Science and uh, it's great to have Dr. Loy on the show as a, as a friend and a colleague and someone that is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to ruminant nutrition and growth physiology of cattle, housing systems, you name it. Um, but uh, so talk about how, do, how does a nutritionist approach, you know, how much crude protein or, or the source of protein, you know, if you're sitting down to, to evaluate a herd or a feedlot or whatever. Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned that, that uh, the, the amount of the degraded protein that can be utilized depends on, on uh, how much energy is available. And we used to have these thumb rules that, you know, if calves were less than 700 pounds, we had to feed a natural protein source. Or if, you know, if they were over 1,000 pounds, we could feed urea as the supplement. And that, that really is just kind of a substitute for being able to evaluate the degradability of the feeds and the amount of energy that's available. And uh, about, in, I think, 1974, Dr. Wise Burroughs here at Iowa State developed a system called the Metabolizable Protein System, which does just that. It takes, looks at the degradability of the feeds, looks at the energy that's available, and then matches those up and determines whether you can, what type of, you know, if you can feed urea or not. If, and the, the, both the quantity and the quality of the feed that, or the, the protein that can, is needed and, and is required. Yeah, and so th that equation then is built into the NRC and, and then allows a nutritionist to say, okay, we're on corn stalks, we're feeding a high quality alfalfa, different things to that. Now we know we need to know the level of the crude protein and the source, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the nutrient requirements of beef cattle used to be called the NRC. Now it's the National Academy of Science, Engineering and Math or NASM, or, but it's still the Bible. For, NRC. <laughs> it's still the Bible for the nutrient requirements of cattle. They have adopted a version of the metabolizable protein system to evaluate uh, protein requirements of beef cattle. So with whenever we use that system, we have to account for the degradability of the feedstuffs and then energy consumption. And then also the requirements of the animal, which are based on their maintenance requirements, which is the weight and size of the animal and environmental conditions, as well as their body composition and growth for how much protein they're actually uh, gaining or milk or wh whatever the, the requirements are. You put all that together, if you use that system, then you're accounting for all that. And you don't, we don't have to worry about those thumb rules that may or may not be appropriate. Yeah. And I think that, that you know, understanding the, the physiological state of the animal, the maintenance of the animal, uh, the other supporting components and what you have available. 
it's not as simple as just buying a bag of protein. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and so, you know, that's why your nutritionist earns their paycheck is yeah. because they have, they have the software, they have the knowledge of the feedstuffs in your local area uh, and, and can take that information and, and put together the low, least cost rations. Especially when we get into some of these lick tanks and, and different things, you know, understanding this difference as Dr. Loy has described of, of non-protein nitrogen percentage within that the amount of urea or biuret mm -hmm. or whatever versus versus true protein is going to be important very important yep yep all right well we're going to take a break when we come back we'll have a wrap-up with dr loy on crude protein and protein you're watching doc talk we're sure glad you joined us hey folks welcome back to doc talk dr dan thompson and dr dan loy uh, here at iowa state university Dr. Loy is a university professor and the director of the Iowa Beef Center and, and uh, directs our beef extension here on campus. We're talking about crude protein, uh, Dr. Dan. Um, let's talk about some of those times when you would or wouldn't feed urea um, versus right. a natural protein source. Right, so, you know, typically, and just think about air, times when energy intake is limited or when energy intake is, is abundant. And so with those lightweight calves, the, the more stressed they are, the lower their feed intake, the lower quality the, of forage that they're being fed, the less likely you are that you can feed very much, if any, supplemental urea. Now, there, there's going to be some degraded protein that, that will be part of their natural feedstuffs, but we're talking about the supplemental protein that we're fed. So probably half of the protein that they're consuming is going to need to be required to be bypassed. But uh, definitely using one of those systems will help define that a little more. You get into a heavy steer that's eating 25 pounds of dry matter a day and 20 pounds of corn, then feeding a, a, you know, a, a liquid supplement that's based on urea or a urea-based uh, supplement is Will, it can easily meet the majority of their protein requirements. Right. So, so that's where we see those, uh, those uh, you know, high NPN, non-protein nitrogen supplements having the most value and most benefit. Preston always told us that uh, the rule of thumb was never feed more than 1% of diet dry matter as urea, um, except when you have those steers, those steers. that are on the, the, because it matches the fermentation, the solubility of urea. Right, and there's also some thumb rules, and I, I can't remember them off the top of my head right now, but the thumb rules in terms of urea limitations that you feed, and that's mostly like when you're feeding to beef cows because at very high levels it can be toxic, and so you, you want to make sure that you stay within those guidelines. And you can even get it, what they call bonkers in calves, that cows that are being supplemented too much urea and the ammonia levels is too high in the milk, Right. And those calves suckle, and they're basically a monogastric and uh, can wind up with some issues, some neurological issues right. in the calves if you... We saw that. So one of the things, you, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but, you know, we can add ammonia uh, into um, low-quality forages and, uh, and basically through ammoniation increase their digestibility and also increase their their protein content. That's something that, you know, in Kansas, you know, when 
feeds are expensive, you see it done with wheat straw. In this country, corn stalks was a good example of a feed that that was done with. If you do that with a higher quality protein, then you can run into that condition. We saw that a few times uh, in years ago. Too much of a good thing. So just to kind of wrap up on crude protein, what would be some of your bullet points? Well, I think um, if you can, if you have uh, the, the ability, you know, the software to do it, the NRC has some software. We have a program called Brands at Iowa State that incorporates the, the um, metabolizable protein system. If you're doing that, then you're accounting for all these variations in feedstuffs and the requirements that we're talking about. The other thing I'd say is uh, consider the stage of production of the animal. Uh, that, that's certainly an important component as well. And work with your nutritionist. And work with your nutritionist. Dr. Wade Nichols is out there right now looking at me, staring at me, saying, you better mention the nutritionist. That's also. right. And don't mention the vet. This is for you, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, as always. If you want to know more about what we do on Doc Talk, you can find us on the, the internet at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local nutritionist and veterinarian. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Dan Loy at Iowa State University, and we'll see you down the road.